You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spade. My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. We've been uh, working our way through the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Now, up to this point, what we've found is we find a young man, 17 years old, who was actually sold into slavery by his brothers. You thought you had trouble in your family. His brothers were jealous because dad had made Joseph the firstborn, which carried with us some some pretty significant rights and privileges. Problem was, Joseph wasn't the firstborn. He was the 11th born. Well, as a slave in the nation of Egypt, Joseph began to serve a man called Potiphar. And he rose to the point that he controlled everything in Potiphar's house. He was put in charge of everything. But then he was betrayed by his owner's wife, who accused him of trying to seduce her. And he was sent to prison. In prison, Joseph rose to the highest possible position there. He actually ran the entire prison. But he was there for two years, and it was still prison. Then, miraculously, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, has some dreams, and Joseph interprets those dreams. And as a result, he rises to the highest possible position in Egypt under Pharaoh. This is the point. Every time that Joseph was handed a lemon by life, he turned it into lemonade. So today, Joseph had told Pharaoh that there would be seven years of good harvests followed by seven years of drought and famine. And the drought wasn't just localized to Egypt. It was pretty much region-wide. We know that Joseph's birthplace up in Palestine suffered from the drought. We also know that the Sahara Plains turned into the Sahara Desert at roughly this time. This could have been related to that drought. The story moves to Palestine where we find Joseph's family dying of hunger. Genesis chapter 42, verses 1 and 2. When Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, he said to his sons, why are you standing there looking at each other? Sounds a lot like my dad. Why are you standing there looking at each other? I've heard that there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we will die. 
So 10 of his brothers go to Egypt to buy grain. They leave Benjamin at home. Now remember, Joseph was made the firstborn because he was dad's favorite because he was the son of the wife that he loved the most. Now that he's gone, Benjamin is the only son left of that wife. Guess who the new favorite is? So he doesn't have to go to Egypt. The brothers come to Egypt, and lo and behold, they find Joseph there, managing everything that's taking place in Egypt. Joseph recognizes them immediately, but they don't recognize him. He looks very different from the day that they sold him into slavery. And he's dressed like an Egyptian, and he speaks Egyptian. And Egyptians wore a lot of makeup, even the men. So we read this, Joseph recognized his brothers instantly, but he pretended to be a stranger and he spoke harshly to them. Where are you from? He demanded. We're from the land of Canaan, they replied. We've come to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. Joseph pretends not to know them. And he accuses them of not going to Egypt to buy grain. He says, no, no, no. You've come to spy out the land. You want to see just how vulnerable we really are. Well, they don't know what to say, so they answer back. They give him more information about the family. Sir, they said, there are actually 12 of us. We, your servants, are all brothers. Son of a man who is living in the land of Canaan. Our youngest brother is back there with our father right now, and one of our brothers is no longer with us. You're saying this to Joseph, right? <laughs> Joseph insisted, now nah, you've come to spy out the land. Then he said, this is how I'll test your story. One of you must go and get your brother. I'll keep the rest of you here in prison. Oh, man. That is the worst thing Joseph could have said because Jacob almost didn't let him go to Egypt because he was afraid that something like this would happen. In fact, he said, the only way I'll let you go is if we keep Benjamin here. Well, Joseph says, go bring your youngest brother. Remember, that's Joseph's own brother. Son of the same mother, same father. They turn aside. They talk to each other in Hebrew. They don't realize that Joseph actually understands what they're saying. Now Joseph is thinking, Benjamin wasn't there when they sold me into slavery. He's the only one that didn't betray me. Maybe he'll still love me. But they start talking to each other. Reuben speaks up. He tells his brothers that they're being punished for having sold Joseph into slavery. Reuben says, that was wrong. We shouldn't have done that. Reuben says, you should have listened to me, to Reuben. 
Because Reuben really didn't want to. He was going to go back, remember? He was going to go back and rescue Joseph from the pit. Well, Reuben's support was news to Joseph. He, he didn't know any of that. And so Joseph turns away and he begins to weep. Then he goes back and he tells him, okay, just one of you will stay. And he looks around and he says, Simeon, I'll take Simeon. The rest can go back and bring Benjamin. Now I'll tell you why he picked Simeon in just a little bit. For, for now, it's enough to know. He picked one, put the one in prison, and let the other nine go back to dad in Palestine. Genesis 42, 24, he turned away from them. He began to weep when he regained his composure. He spoke to them again. And then he chose Simeon from among them. And he had him tied up right before their eyes, hauled him off to prison, sent the nine of them back. They get back. They tell Jacob everything that's happened. Then to boot, when they start unpacking their stuff, they took the bags that are full of grain and each and every one of them finds the money that they had used to buy that grain in the bag. And they thought, oh great. Now not only do we have to go back with Benjamin, but we have to go back and say, here's the money that we were supposed to have given you. They don't know what's happened. Well, they tell Jacob what they have to do. And get this, Jacob refuses to let Benjamin go. He says, I would rather leave Simeon in jail permanently in Egypt than let you take Benjamin back. How do you think that made the brothers feel? How do you think it made Simeon feel? Yeah, Benjamin's the new favorite, isn't he? And dad is doing the same things that he used to do with Joseph. Things have not changed. Years go by, and the food runs out. When the grain they had brought from Egypt was almost gone, Jacob said to his sons, go back, buy us a little more. And the other nine say, Dad, we can't go back. The man there told us if we go back without our youngest brother, he'll just throw us all in prison. If we go back without Benjamin, we won't be bringing you food back. You'll just lose all of us. Then you and Benjamin can die of starvation here together. He say, remember, the man said, you won't see my face again unless your brother's with you. And so Jacob finally says, all right, all right, take Benjamin. Take him back with you, but bring Benjamin back to me. Well, they returned to Egypt with the money that they found in their sacks with more money to buy 
new grain, and then they took other gifts to give to Joseph. Joseph's servants bring him in to see Joseph again, and he tells them, you keep your money. I already, I already have your money from the first time. Maybe your God put that back in your sacks. And then he looks and he sees Benjamin. Genesis 42, 30. Joseph looked at his brother Benjamin, the son of his own mother. Is this your youngest brother? Is this the one you told me about? May God be gracious to you, my son. And then Joseph hurried from the room because he was overcome with emotion for his brother. He went into his own private room and he broke down and he wept. Now he regains his composure. When he sees Benjamin, he looks at the other ten. He's brought Simeon out to him. Simeon's fat and sassy. He's, he's been treated really well in prison. He looks at his brothers who had sold him out. And now he sees his youngest brother, who probably thought that Joseph had died because that was the story that they were telling. What do you think was going through his mind? What do you think Joseph was thinking about? Personally, I think he was torn between a love for his family. Here they were, right in front of him. He was torn between a love for his family and a desire to see him suffer because of what they'd done to him. That's what I would have been thinking. Oh, it's great to see him again. They need to pay for what they did. <laughs> did you ever feel that way? I think at this point, he wasn't really sure what he was going to do. Well, he goes to his private room, he weeps, he regains his composure, and he comes out, and he gives them this enormous feast. And then he arranges their seating by their ages. And they don't get it. And then he gives Benjamin five times the amount of food that he gives anybody else. And they still don't get it. They leave again for Palestine. This time, when they go, Joseph tells his servant, go chase after him. When you catch him, tell him, Somebody has stolen my master's silver cup. Now, that wouldn't have been any silver cup. It wasn't that he was missing a piece of pewter from the galley. The silver cup would have been what the Egyptians thought Joseph used to divine, to tell the future. How did he interpret Pharaoh's dreams? He must have had a silver cup. 
And you would pour things in the silver cup, whether it was tea and you read the tea leaves or frequently in this time you would pour wine in it and then you would read the dregs of the wine as they collect in the bottom and they would supposedly tell you certain things. The servant comes to him and he says, you have stolen my master's divining cup. He said, no, he didn't. He said, I got to search you. Look away. And they say, if you find it here, we will all go back to Egypt and be your slaves. They were confident that it wasn't there. Genesis 44, 12. The palace manager searched his brother's sacks from the oldest to the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. So the guy says, I'm taking him back to Egypt. The rest of you can go on. But they don't. They follow because they know how much dad loves Benjamin. They've resolved that. They've they've resigned themselves to that love. So they follow. When they get back, Joseph tells them, the man who stole my cup, will be my slave. The rest of you may go back to your father. Then Judah steps forward. He pleads with Joseph. Let Joseph go back. Take me instead. Genesis 44, 18. Judah stepped forward. He said, please, my Lord, Now, this is after a long explanation of what will happen to his father if they go back without Benjamin. Please, my Lord, let me stay here as your slave instead of the boy. Let the boy return with his brothers. Judah. Now, you know what? This was not the Judah that Joseph remembered. The Judah that Joseph remembered, the last thing that Judah said in Joseph's presence before this, Joseph heard from the bottom of a pit in the desert. Genesis 37, Judah said to his brothers, what do we gain by killing our brother? (laughs) We're ready to kill him. But what good is that to us? Let's sell him instead to the Ishmaelite traders in a caravan that's passing by. And that's what they, that's Judah. That's the Judah that Joseph remembers. But now Judah steps forward and says, take me instead. Make me your slave for the rest of my life. Let the boy return to his father. Judah's changed. Judah is different. So what happens next? Joseph could stand it no longer. There are many people in the room. He said to the attendants, to the Egyptians that were there, get out, leave us. They leave. So he was alone with his brothers And he told them who he was. He broke down and he wept. 
He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him. Word of it carried to Pharaoh's palace. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. I'm Joseph. Now Joseph up to that point had been torn between a desire to see his brothers suffer and a love for his brothers. The love finally wins out. And Joseph looks at them and says, it's me. I'm Joseph. I'm the one you sold. It's me. And they couldn't believe it. Now, they were the ones that were torn. What's he going to do? What happens next is absolutely amazing. Now, I told you I'd tell you why Simeon was the one that Joseph picked to stay in prison. Here's why I think he did that. Jacob had 12 sons. They were sons of four women. Leah had four children in quick succession. Reuben was the firstborn. He was the oldest. He would be the one to be responsible for the rest of his brothers. But Joseph had just found out that Reuben tried to protect him. Reuben wasn't there when they sold him into slavery. So number two, Simeon. So if you take Reuben out of the picture, Simeon is the one that Joseph helped. Then Levi and Judah, Leah stopped having children, Rachel's servant girl, Bilha, works with Rachel. Rachel's not getting pregnant. So she gives Jacob Bilha and says, have children for me by her. Strange culture. It would not work today, but that's what they did. She had two kids, Dan and Naphtali. Then Leah sees what Rachel is doing and says, well, I got a servant girl too. So he gives Jacob Zilpah and he has two kids by her, Gad and Asher. Then Leah gets pregnant again, Issachar and Zebulun. And finally, finally, years later, Rachel has two children, Joseph, and Benjamin, and she dies giving birth to Benjamin. These were the children that Jacob loved, Joseph and Benjamin. So Joseph, uh, Jacob made Joseph the firstborn, even though he was the 11th child. Now, what did it mean to be firstborn? Firstborn actually carries with it some pretty significant rights. The firstborn would get a double portion of the inheritance. Judah had 12 sons. That means he'd take on his death all of his possessions and he'd divide it into 13 equal lots. Everybody got a lot except the firstborn who got a double portion. He got two lots. 
so there was some financial gain by being recognized as the firstborn. But the reason he got two lots is because the firstborn also had a responsibility. He now took on the role of father of the family. He was to provide security and stability for the family. Do you know what happens next? Joseph looks at his brothers. He sees them literally begging for food. And he says, Dad made me the firstborn. I am to provide stability and security for this family. I will honor that responsibility. That was not necessarily what Joseph really wanted to do, but it's what he did. Now, internally, I really think he was torn. I really think that Joseph was struggling with, how do I treat my brothers? But what finally wins is when Joseph says, I've got a responsibility. I will honor that responsibility. And so he brings Jacob and the rest of the family, all of the wives, all of the servants, a pretty large crowd. He brings them to Egypt and he sets them up in Egypt and he provides stability and security for his family for the rest of their lives. He takes on the role of the firstborn. He becomes what his father had made him. In spite of the fact that internally, emotionally, Joseph would have loved to have seen his brothers suffer because of what they did. He said, no, that wouldn't be right. Instead, I will honor my responsibility instead of abusing the power that I have. That's all we're saying today. If you want to live, love, and go like Jesus, honor your responsibility instead of abusing your power. All of us have some measure of power, each and every one of us. That power comes where we work. It comes as members of our family, members of a neighborhood, classmates. We have power. We might feel powerless, but we do have some measure of power. Even when we feel powerless, we have the power of isolation. We can cut off the person that we believe is mistreating us. We can cut off the person that we're angry at. We have the power of isolating them. We have the power of withholding things that we would normally do for them. If we want to learn to live, love, and go like Jesus, lay that power aside.
honor your responsibility because in addition to having power, we each have responsibilities. Everywhere we are, we have responsibilities in our family. We have responsibilities at our workplace or at our school place. Honor your responsibilities. Even when it feels tough, do it anyway because that's the right thing to do. When the natural thing would be to take revenge, don't. Honor your responsibility. You may have a parent or a sibling who did something to you or maybe said something to you and you're mad at them. You have the ability to isolate them. You have the ability to stop doing the things that you know you should be doing. Don't. Honor your responsibilities. Keep that relationship open. You may have a spouse that did or said something that you just didn't appreciate. Honor your responsibilities. I'm not talking about abuse. If you've been abused, get help. That's different. If you are in danger, that is different. Get help. There are resources for you. Talk to one of us. We'll point those resources out to you. I'm talking about the small stuff. It may not feel very small. You may have a friend or a work colleague who again has said something or done something that hurt. And you would love to get him back. Don't. Honor your responsibility rather than abuse your power. You have a certain responsibility to do things. We have that as, as children of parents. We have that as, as uh, spouses, as parents of children. We have that responsibility. Sometimes when the person that we're trying to serve hurts us, the natural thing, is to cut them off. Don't. Honor your responsibility rather than abusing your power. And remember that your ultimate responsibility is the responsibility to be Jesus to them. Honor your responsibilities instead of abusing your power. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.